live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you tonight. Our telephone number, if you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, I welcome you to do so. 833-482-5337-8334, Valdez. And uh, you can uh, feel free to call at any time. It's the Friday edition, so uh, we're going to let our hair down a little bit tonight. Uh, but there are some uh, hard news, some breaking news that we'll uh, we'll get to and we'll uh, react to and and discuss. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is this serial killer coming out of Long Island, New York, an architect who um, was tracked down by way of his DNA uh, was caught. He's uh, they caught him originally on on three of these killings in the uh, Gilgo Beach serial killings. I don't know if I'm saying Gilgo right, but uh, anyway, I'm not from Long Island. So uh, let's um, listen to what the DA had to say. Check this out. He's been arrested by the Suffolk County uh, Police Department's homicide detectives, and he's been indicted uh, in a grand jury present, uh, presentation by the, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office uh, for the murders of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. Now, what's interesting here is this guy, this uh, architect uh, that they've caught. Uh, let me see. What's his name? Thurman? I don't know if I'm saying that right. I should be better prepared for this stuff. Heurman. Heurman? H-E-U-E-R-M-A-N-N. Heurman. I'm going to go with Heurman. Anyway, Mr. Heurman, um, he, um, he was doing Google searches, uh, including why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know some people like, you know, will Google themselves to see what, you know, a potential date. I, it's, if you didn't know, it's a commonplace thing now for women to Google you. If you're going on a date, they want to know who you are. And, and you know, they, they Google you. And it's interesting to me uh, that this guy was Googling why haven't they caught him yet when he was the actual serial killer. Uh, but the, um, the DA goes on to talk about how they knew that he'd be paying attention to media reports on the case. Listen to this. These young women went missing between July of 2007 and September of 2010. They were found in uh, December of 2010 by the Suffolk County Police Department, and then there was nothing, absolutely nothing. For, their, for the next 13 years, their cases went unsolved. We were very careful uh, how we, we, we handled the investigation. We maintained the integrity of the investigation. Uh, most, important, uh, most importantly of all, we maintained the secrecy uh, of that investigation. And I think that's, uh, that's paid dividends uh, as we've seen today. Again, uh, that's uh, District Attorney Ray Tierney uh, from the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office. So they've caught this guy. And again, uh, 
interesting story because it had gone on for quite a long time and, and people didn't know what was going on. They weren't sure, you know, th these things uh, going back to 2010, 2011, right? There was even a movie on this, a Netflix movie in 2020 um, called Lost Girls. And I think this is what many of us think um, happens when little kids or whatever just disappear. But there's more to it, right? There are, there are now hundreds of, let's see, hundreds, thousands, right? Uh, 85,000 to be exact. There's 85,000 kids that are missing as of, uh, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago. In April, they had a, uh, a hearing. And uh, one of the whistleblowers from the Department of Health and Human Services said there was 85,000 kids missing that, they, that were in their custody, in their care, that had come as unaccompanied minors coming across the border. And, uh, of course, this situation is not related to uh, illegal immigration, but it, it it goes to show you how the United States, and these are the words she used, the United States is the middleman on what is probably the largest human smuggling operation ever on this planet. And it's happening right here at our southern border. And Joe El Baboso Biden, the president of the United States, is um, at the helm of it, or at least complicit in it, if the cartel is at the helm of it, playing dumb and and creating conditions through policy where they can continue to smuggle whatever they want. In this situation, they're smuggling drugs and children. And it's just, it blows me away. And, you know, when you have these localized cases of kidnapping and, and murder and, and whatnot, it, it's, it's, it's scary on a different level, right? Because you can, there's a boogeyman. There's this Urman person. And I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his last name. And I'm glad that I am. Uh, but, it's just an interesting uh, phenomena that we, we kind of look at the border situation as something that's like, oh, well, that's over there. Uh, you know, but it's not necessarily what what uh, what it is. Right. People there really is a, a big deal uh, of people or children that that go missing and whatnot. Young girls in particular and uh, and young boys. Right. There was a trafficking report we talked about about a week and a half ago. And said that actually the, the number of um, you missing young boys is on the rise. So, I mean, there's a lot to um, to look out for. Anyway, a guy, the this guy's name, Rex Ewerman, his mugshot's been released. Kind of looks like a uh, like a washed up professional wrestler, you know, like one of those guys that never really had a huge wrestling career. But, you know, eventually, uh, you know, had a had a, a decent run at, at a character and and wrestling and then just got out of it. He doesn't, you know, that's who he looks like to me. Looks like he's missing a trucker cap, wondering if he has all his teeth or not. But it says he's an architect. Anyway, I want to talk about that. I also wanted to talk about something that was a little one-off, uh, but I will, um, I will um, double check um, and try and make a connection here. But I just saw this and I said, man, if I don't get to it now, when will I get to it? Maybe we could get to it now or number three, but listen to this. This is a very interesting uh, article. Uh, Houston health officials are reporting syphilis, an outbreak that's a 128% spike in cases amongst women. Crazy, right? This STD is all over the place. Houston health officials have warned uh, that this 128% spike is nothing to be laughed at. Statistics uh, from the new infections rose by 57% from... 1,845 individuals in 2019 to nearly 3,000 in 2022. The number of cases among women totaled 674 last year, 
And that's up nearly 300 cases, 295 cases uh, from 2019. Now, I, I'm, I think you're thinking what I'm thinking. How the heck is that happening? Like, what is going on that all of a sudden there's all this new syphilis? And I don't know that they have an answer. Uh, they're, you know, the CDC is working with the health officials and they're ra- launching a rapid outreach response to the um, issue. Uh, but they're saying uh, they're going to go to hotspots and curb community partners, um, or excuse me, mobilizing community partners to curb new infections. Excuse me, I read that wrong. <laughs> and I'm just thinking there's got to be a little bit more to this story that, that we're not being told or that we don't know yet. So as we uh, learn more, I'll let you know. But go figure, right, of all places, Houston, Texas, and of all things, syphilis, right? Uh, now, syphilis, if I'm not mistaken, I learned this when I worked in the uh, state government. Syphilis is like the number one STD for senior citizens. I had no idea that there's actually like a very high number uh, in most senior citizens' homes and whatever, because uh, apparently you can get it in your younger days and it's dormant for a long time and it comes out in your, your older years. And and it manifests as uh, kind of like like dementia does, right? Similar symptoms, uh, like uh, altered mental status and stuff like that. And I didn't know about that until I uh, attended a meeting and I heard that. I said, oh my gosh, what are these old people doing in these nursing homes to get syphilis? Then I learned it, it was a dormant thing. But anyway, I wanted to bring that up just to... Uh, to put it out there, and we'll, we'll circle back and get an uh, update on that report in hour number three. But I want to talk about some news that came out today that uh, Joe Biden um, might not be the nominee. The Democrats might be secretly working behind the scenes to get rid of him. So we're going to talk about that as, as well as a bunch of other things. We've got a lot of people lined up tonight, so I think you're going to really enjoy the show. Make sure you pull up a chair, uh, sit back, relax, enjoy it. We're here for three hours, keeping you company till 1 a.m. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, keeping you company straight till 1 a.m. this evening on the East Coast, if you're on the West Coast, and it's three hours earlier. Anyway, welcome to the show. Again, our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And this morning, I, I got an email that said that um, veteran journalist, and you, you know this guy because he's been on this program before, journalist, author, former senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, former senior editor at the Weekly Standard, Lee Smith. And uh, if you don't remember the name, Lee Smith, just always remember He's the other Puerto Rican conservative. That's right. Lee Smith, born in Puerto Rico. And uh, I saw an email that said he was uh, doing this call uh, or a live stream discussing what has recently been um, revealed about Democrats working behind the scenes to potentially find a replacement for Joe Biden. And um, I find that interesting because, you know, every day when I see Joe Biden doing what he does, I think, my goodness, is this really their guy? But then I go, well, who else do they got? Kamala Harris. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'd probably pick Joe, too. Then you've got 
Um, Gavin Newsom. Hmm. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about it uh, as a uh, as a conservative and, and I'm biased, but it, it doesn't seem like there's a really good bench out there. And uh, probably the most viable one would be the um, the shirtless push up king, RFK Jr. But even him, I think uh, he, he doesn't seem to have much gravitas amongst Democrats. So I said, you know what, we've got to connect with Lee Smith and find out what's going on here, because I know that there were some folks on CNN and they were saying, well, we don't know. And, we, you know, we conditions of anonymity can't say who and what and where. But people are thinking and people are talking and saying that Gavin Newsom might be a, a, a reliable alternative. Lee Smith, welcome, sir. Rich, thank you so much for the great introduction. I really appreciate it. And nice to oh, be with you tonight pleasure. with your Go right ahead. Uh, um, well, I, I mean, the, the live stream we did this morning uh, at, at Locals, and I, I hope your your great audience will check out my Locals community, uh, leesmith.locals.com. Um, I actually made the case that I think you're making. I, I, I don't think they're going to go for another option. I think all the problems that people have identified with Joe Biden now were known in 2020. And it's funny that this comes up because uh, a couple of friends were just texting me saying, uh, Lee, I think you're crazy. There's no way they can run Biden. Look at this video of him, you know, uh, basically uh, making some weird motion on, on this little uh, this, this little Finnish girl when, oh, yeah, uh, you know, during a recent tour. I'm like, yeah, I know it's really weird and twisted, but the guy's been doing this for decades, right? And he does right. it in public. He, so, I mean, this this guy, I mean, and, and unfortunately what this says about some, look, anyone who does that is weird, right? But the fact he does it in public and basically dares people to say anything about it, and of course the Democratic Party media institutions are not, and senior party officials are not. Um, so, no, I, I, I don't, I mean, he was, he was he was um, on the way down. He was sunsetting in 2020. That's why they kept him in the basement. Mm. So everything Joe Biden has done, Joe Biden has checked off. Also, he's checked off major major items on the on the progressive factions wish list. Right, open borders, um, uh, trillions earmarked for climate change agenda, uh, climate change infrastructure stuff so no i think that i think that um i think that the party bosses must be extremely happy with joe biden and also it sends an important message and this was the message it sent in 2022 it's like you can't do anything about it we can run a guy who's basically not there and we can get him we can push him into the white house and you can complain about it and you can say whatever you want about uh about the vote you can say anything you want about ballot harvesting. You can say anything you want about fraud. But you know what? It doesn't matter. We can push a guy into the White House who looks like this, and you can't do a thing about it. And the important thing, I think, to think to remember about Biden is having spent so much time in Washington, it's not just about Joe Biden. The, 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 the CIA and the FBI are not protecting the Biden family because they love Joe Biden. It's because their institutional and personal interests intersect with Joe Biden. So, again, I, 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 it's depressing. It's depressing, but it says that we're at a very strange time in American history. At a normal time, you would see Democratic Party consultants saying, like, hey, the president, um, 
I don't know, it seems to have happened all of a sudden, but the president's not in good shape. And we have to come up with options for 2024 if we want uh, if we want to stay in the White House. But that's clearly not what they're doing, because what's their main plan? Their main plan is, so what else do you have to destroy Donald Trump? Do we have any other legal cases out there? Do we, what, what else do we have out there? Hey, let's bring back E. Jean Carroll, right, in January. Right. How about that? Got that, E. Jean Carroll. So it's... Uh, it, it, it speaks to a, a, a dark moment in our history. You know, you know, Lee Smith, I was thinking about this. Um, I think about it often in arguments that I have with people, especially like my uh, my uh, my Cuban buddy who makes my coffee in the morning. And he um, he oftentimes makes the case of, of why he believes Biden will easily be reelected. And, and I have to say, he makes some interesting points. Right. Um, Yesterday or two days ago, we were talking about it. And and I I said, these are relevant points. Uh, So I'm going to agree with you while playing devil's advocate. And Mm. and while I do, I do think that ultimately this is a uh, at least it seems to me like this is going to be a Trump Biden matchup. He makes the case that it's a Trump Biden matchup, but Biden takes it because. There won't be any major change. Right. And even though he's uh, his numbers don't look good, he's he's able to skate by with those numbers and inflation continues to go down. So as long as that goes down, the stock market uh, doesn't uh, plummet. Uh, maybe it even rallies between now and, and, and election time. These things only help him. Uh, he also uh, said, you know, we haven't even seen the the chip manufacturing bill that the Democrats put out there. Uh, w- once that happens and, you know, the things in the car market ease up and cool off a little bit and used cars cost what used cars should actually cost and new cars are available again, that, you know, that, that abundant supply will bring down the demand and it'll make uh, inflation feel a lot better for people. Um, he also said, I think people are used to paying a lot more for food and they're going to continue paying a lot more for food. And as it trickles down, you know, he'll just say for eight months in a row, we've had lower inflation and we're doing great. And, and I feel like, people might actually go for that. What do you think? I think it's an interesting argument. Here's where I would push back on that. Lee, hold that thought. The clock beat me to it. So uh, let me just remind everybody, we're on with Lee Smith at Lee Smith DC. If you want to follow him on Twitter, I do. Uh, he's an excellent guy to follow. And we're going to continue with our conversation with Lee Smith straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. 
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Lee Smith is our guest. He's the uh, veteran journalist and author of of, of several books. Uh, the last one was even a movie. you got to check that out. Uh, former senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, former senior editor at the Weekly Standard, and you definitely want to check out his uh, locals page, LeeSmith.locals.com. Now, we're talking about party bosses and will they replace Biden? Uh, I made a pro-Biden case before the break. Lee Smith, you were responding. No, that, that, I mean, you're, um, you're a Cuban friend. Uh, as much as, you know, Puerto Rican guys like you and me might, 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 uh, might regret having to say so, but your Cuban friend made a really excellent point. Um, yeah. And he makes it pretty strong. Um, I would, I would say, I would say really the most important, well, first of all, is he talking about the chips act referring to the semiconductor chips? Yeah. Is that what he's talking about? I think that he's talking about that. that. He also said, you know, when you throw in a, um, uh, a little bit of, uh, a a release of some barrels from the reserve just to bring down gas prices, to make a perfect storm of looking like it's a great win for everybody. So he can refer to it in a speech saying, look, gas is two ninety nine, blah, blah, blah. And boom, there you go. I, I, and that all makes sense. And so without having to go into too many details, I'd say here's one, here's one really interesting point. Um, and that is they're obviously terrified of Donald Trump. And how do we know? Because they will right. not relent because they keep going after Donald Trump. There's going to be an, another DOJ indictment, I assume, related to January 6th charges. I imagine there's going to be um, indictments in Fulton County, Georgia, as well. They will not give up. Uh, they they will not let Trump rest. And so, what does that mean? I mean, that tells me. Look, I mean, you and I speak to you and I speak to people very knowledgeable about polling and stuff like that. And I'm really impressed here. People say, "Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a path to victory for Donald Trump." And um, you know, a lot of us coming out of 2022, looking at the layout of the country especially, you know, uh, states controlled by Democrats is like, what kind of path to victory is there for a Republican? But people who know a lot more about it than me say, oh, no, definitely there's path to victory for for Donald Trump, maybe even other Republicans as well. And um, so that tells me that the Democratic Party themselves uh, are worried about Donald Trump. Again, if it was a normal political moment, what would be happening? The party bosses would be saying, you know, Joe just uh, Joe, Joe just lost it. He's he's you know off. Uh, he he was off a couple of beats in 2020, but now he's just off too many beats. <laughs> There's just no way for him to catch up. So we got to think yeah. about rotating. I don't know who Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer, just said, Andrew Cuomo. Let's rehabilitate Andrew Cuomo. For <laughs> Pete's sake. Who 
who who knows what they would have done, but that's not what they're doing. What are they doing? They're redoubling their um, focus to destroy Donald Trump, right? So that's one. I mean, that to me is the big tell. The other big tell is this media, this faction, uh, the progressive faction, believes they can use the media to bury anything, right? It's like, yeah. what do you mean, Joe? And it's in a cognitive decline. I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing about that in the New York Times or the Washington Post or CNN or MSNBC. So I just don't see that as being that significant. I think they look at Joe Biden and they're like, hey, you know, what, what, why mess with a good thing? Um, we're going to keep Joe Biden in there and we're going to ride that horse until it's finished. That, that again, that's that's. That, that's how I see it. And, and, and you know, uh, Rich, you and I have been studying these guys, what they've been up to for quite mm-hmm. a while. And these are not normal people. I mean, these are pathological. Look at what they look at how they've attacked Donald Trump. Look at how they've gone after the American public. These are very sick people. I would like it to be normal. So I think a lot of the times when people are saying like, no, 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 they got to rotate Biden out. They got to put someone in. I'm like, God bless you, because you're talking about it as if we're at a normal moment in American politics. And I so wish that were the case, but it's not the case because you look at all the evidence and all the evidence shows that's not where we are right now um, in our political system. So I, I, I think Smith. they go. Yeah. Mm-hmm, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, that was it. I was just, I, I was just, you know, bl- blowing more hot air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I wanted to get your take on on whether uh, how much mileage you think he gets out of um, the the latest um, maneuver, which is the thirty nine billion dollars in student debt relief for eight hundred and four thousand Americans that now don't have to pay back a student loan. Um, I think this is going to be pretty. My thought is that he already tried it one way. The, the court said you can't do it that way. So they went back to the drawing board and said, oh, we can do it this way. And so they're doing right. it that way. And I think they're going to be successful that way. And it won't be the initial amount. I think the initial amount was for like 36 um, million people. Yeah. This is for under a, right. a, a million people. But I think that's right. still a lot of people that are going to be like, hey, thanks, Joe Biden. Do you think that carries a lot of weight? Does this have legs? Oh, yeah. No, I think it's a big deal because I think it's another, you know, this is what Democrat, Democrats are very good about paying Democrats to be Democrats. And so that's what this is. You know, we've all seen the numbers. They try to make it like, oh, no, we're helping out these poor people who are paying off their student loans, these poor kids from, you know, from working class communities or minority communities that wanted to get a leg up. And now that's not what's happening. It's a whole bunch of people who went to graduate school. It's a whole bunch of people with law schools. That's what it is, right? So it's, it's Democrats. That's what they're doing. The Democrats are excellent, but paying Democrats to be Democrats. So will this change votes? No, I don't think so. But I think it's what the Democrats always do. Like, believe me, your money is coming. Your money will get there on time. Just when you yeah, need it. The check it, is in the mail. Exactly. Don't worry. Just make sure you show up and get your family out there to show up and vote, too. Your money's coming. And, you know, I mean, they, they keep promises like that. I mean, it's dirty and it's nasty. But they keep the, you know, they keep those promises. So I, I don't think that's really going to shake a lot of things up electorally. But I think, again, it underscores for the American people, for decent, hardworking Americans who don't expect to be paid uh, on account of the way they vote. Right. 
um, I, I think they're going to look at this and be like, well, you know, it's disgraceful. Again, it's disgraceful. It's graft. So, um, you know, it, it, it's bad news, but hardly surprising that this is where the Democratic Party is going again. And it, it's what they do. This is what all the climate change infrastructure is about. And again, it's not about paying off. It's not about paying off. Um, it's not about paying off African-Americans, uh, Latinos who vote Democratic in the cities. Uh, who could actually really use this, especially after, you know, it's not about funding the police um, in inner cities. It's not about protecting those parts of the democratic base. It's about paying off elites, right? This is what climate change is about. It's about paying off elites, right? These are the super elites. People have all this money invested in this stuff. It's paying off people like Jennifer Granholm, like John Kerry, right, who are in the administration. So again, this is just Democrats being Democrats, and God willing, what they do. Uh, yeah, most Americans will turn around, or enough Americans to turn around. And go, yeah, we're sick and tired of this. This is ridiculous. What are what are? Do we have an option? And as it turns out, every four years, Americans have an option. You know, Lee Smith, I want to switch gears and get your take on the Biden bribery scandal, which seems to have been overshadowed by the cocaine gate in the White House, which turns out to be a big nothing burger, which doesn't surprise me either. Uh, But we're going to get your opinion on that and whether or not the Justice Department is actually extorting Joe Biden. Uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on that uh, straight ahead. Plus, uh, your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Uh, We are on with Lee Smith, uh, Lee Smith, author of The Plot Against the President. And uh, we're having a discussion on all things Biden right now. And uh, while the cocaine gate story covered up um, the Biden Biden, (laughs) Biden bribery scandal. Uh, I think that's still very much uh, alive and well. And uh, Lee Smith has an interesting piece on his local page where he he asks the question, is the Justice Department extorting Joe Biden? Lee Smith, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I, come back to the whole, it's not, Joe Biden is a part of a network, right? Having spent so much time in Washington, He's a part of networked interest. And I think that's one way to understand a lot of things that are going on in Washington right now. That Joe Biden is essentially a front man or an avatar for a whole bunch of beltway interest. Um, I think that's how we understand the 51 spies letter, right? This letter produced almost exclusively by uh, former CIA people that, you know, that, that at a certain point, Biden interest intersected with institutional and personal interest of senior CIA officials. I think, Rich, I don't know if you've been following this at all, but the indictment, the DOJ's indictment of this Mm -hmm. Israeli-American 
think tank guy, Gal Luft, which is really yes. just astonishing. I don't, I don't know if you checked that out. Um, well, we you know, discussed Miranda it a little Devon. bit a uh, day or two ago, but um, really didn't get to dig into it because he was the one that was kind of like a one-off. We weren't expecting that, and all of a sudden, voila, here he yeah. is indicted for being a whistleblower. Well, here's my take on that, is that, you know, if you look at what the Bidens do, um, they retal- their retaliation is not that bad, right? Look at look, They didn't really when Tony Bobby Linsky came out and spoke to Tucker Carlson in 2020 about right. what, you know, about what Hunter and Joe Biden were up to. Why? Because they just they just bury it in the press. So the Bidens, they're 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 nasty and they're corrupt, um, uh, allegedly corrupt, clearly nasty. But um, <laughs> they can just bury, bury things through the media. So but if you look at this indictment, you really have to check out this indictment. And I encourage your listeners to check it out, too, because it's very vicious. And the idea that a think tank guy. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I, I worked at a think tank in Washington. I mean, it's basically a bunch of, you know, I mean, I'll, how about this? I'll include myself as a pencil neck geek. That's basically what it's about. So the idea that these people are involved in, uh, you know, in, in weapons trafficking is, is absolutely preposterous. But that's what the indictment is about. So here's how I see that indictment. I think that indictment is not about the Bidens taking revenge on this guy, Gal Love. I think this is about the FBI itself, because you'll notice in Miranda Devine's reporting and other people have pointed out that what Gal Love talks about is that the Bidens had a source inside the FBI referred to as one eye. So the way that I see this, I see this as it's the FBI and the DOJ themselves taking revenge on this guy. Anyway, my bigger point is when people look and see what's happening in Washington, D.C., it's not about Joe and Hunter Biden. These guys are, as it turns out, uh, what we can see right now. I mean, you know, they're not pulling in. They're not pulling in billions and billions of dollars. If you look at the real institutional interest, these are people who have been in the beltway for a very long time. They run very large institutions. I'm not saying that the Bidens are okay. I believe, too, that the uh, that they're not okay, that they're corrupt and they're dirty. But there's a lot of other stuff that's going on here, and a lot of it has to do with, again, the institutional stakes held by um, by large bureaucracies in the national security establishment, like the CIA and like the FBI. So I think that's an important thing for people to understand. So you asked me if I think it's possible the DOJ and the FBI are holding something over the Bidens. Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that these uh, that this, in a sense, is a very, very important and powerful part of the network right now that um, is working behind the avatar of Joe Biden. Does that make sense? Lots of sense, because, you know, when you put it in that and again, this is just a a working theory. But uh, when you when you posit that theory uh, against why Biden acts the way he does versus China. And a lot of people think he's been turned by China. He's he's uh, an agent of China, this and that. But then again, he'll turn around and, and not do China's bidding. And is it a cover up? Is it a smoke screen? Or is it just um, more of an example of he it really isn't beholden to China per se. He might succumb to some of their pressures every now and again. And I think some of uh, his uh, foreign policy people are, are weak on China and perhaps some of them are sympathetic toward China. 
uh, as Joe might be, but I don't know that he's completely sold out. But when it comes to the FBI, the CIA, you know, who knows? We always think that it, Garland's doing Biden's bidding. You're, you're right. It may very well be Biden doing Garland's bidding and Garland's well, I, doing I, the bidding of whomever. I think it's a, and you talk about China. I mean, you know, everyone has a, well, not everyone, because if you read the New York Times or the Washington Post, you don't have any idea what the Biden's relationship is with, you know, with Chinese enterprises mm-hmm. uh, affiliated with the, affiliated with the Beijing government and, and the People's Liberation Army. Look, all of Washington is rotten with Chinese influence. So it's hardly just the Bidens. I mean, the, it's not, and it's not just the Democratic Party. It's large parts of the Republican Party as well. Right. And I'm, I'm talking about senior Republican officials. We're talking about if you look sure. at Mitch McConnell's relationships, um, you know, with, 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 with Beijing through American business. If you look at the donor class and you look at the people who are pouring money in. And this is, I think, a very important thing for Americans to keep straight when we talk about, oh, yeah, the, uh, the Biden administration is really competing with China. Is China's arrival. And so do Republicans. That, that's nonsense. Right, because if you look at the top donors, the stakes that they have in China, there is no way, never mind the fact that we're running out of ammunition and we couldn't take on the People's mm-hmm. Liberation Army to defend Taiwan. Can you imagine? Uh, let, let me give you a sense of the first three people who called Joe Biden George Soros, David Rubenstein, and Bob Iger. Right? All of these wow. people who are very interested in U.S. relations with China. Right? There is no way that Joe the Democratic Party cannot run presidential elections without the money of Americans whose cash flow is dependent on business with China. So, again, that's just to say that Joe Biden is a part of a network and he's an avatar for it right now. Right. There's a lot of people who have a lot of money, power and prestige at stake in this disgusting, grotesque relationship between American elites and Chinese Communist Party elites. This is certainly not to give yeah. uh, uh, exculpate Joe Biden, just to say this runs throughout all of Washington, as well as Wall Street, as as well as Palo Alto and Hollywood, too. It's disgusting. Wow. It's really well put. Lee Smith, hang on right there. We're going to come back and wrap it up. I got to take a quick pause right here. Folks, we're on with Lee Smith. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, Lee Smith, journalist and author, former senior fellow at the Hudson Institute. Let everybody know how they can keep up to speed with your writings, with the work that you do and how they could follow you. Oh, that's, that's very kind, Rich. I appreciate it. Yeah, again, yes, like, um, you know, I started Locals Community a couple months ago, and, um, you know, uh, so there's some writing. I'm doing some live streams, and I really hope people will follow me there. There's also, you know, my regular columns for Tablet Magazine, doing stuff for Epoch Times, and, um, and I got a couple book projects in the works, which I'll be excited to talk to you about as they develop further. But, Again, it's a real pleasure. I'm, I'm so grateful um, to you for, for bringing me on tonight. Thank you so much, Rich. You bet, Lee Smith. Anytime, brother. God bless you. Keep up the good work. Folks, give him a follow at Lee Smith DC on Twitter and all the social media. 
And let's quickly go to the phones. Go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona, listening on KDGO streaming. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Thank you for the vine. I'd like to talk about the indifference of Joe Biden in the border crisis with the fentanyl problem. There's so much coming over the border. These people are spilling it all over the border on the ground. It's awful. I tell you what, Hollywood is now knowing what this fentanyl indifference means to the people of America who have been hurt for years. And they think they're so high and mighty. There's a gentleman named uh, Robert De Niro. Yeah, well, we can't get into the gentleman's name, but you're right. They do nothing about the problem, and they know all about it. Pat, thank you for your comment. We're going to bring that up a little bit later as well. What are we doing about fentanyl? The border's still wide open. Plus, we've got um, all sorts of things happening in Congress. They say they don't even know whose cocaine it is. We're going to get to that as well. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but... Are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be with you this Friday night. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, there's a bunch of things going on on Capitol Hill, and we're going to get to the bottom of a whole lot of them, right? So some of the things I want to talk about are Cocaine, what happened with the investigation into cocaine? We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Uh, I want to get some reaction on that, though, because I, I think it's interesting how some people are satisfied, others are not satisfied. Uh, many, like me, are very cynical and just thought nothing was going to happen to begin with. Uh, but we also had a busy week on Capitol Hill with Christopher Ray testifying on a myriad of issues with uh, many people saying they caught him in lies talking about censorship, forgetting to do this, forgetting to do that. I mean, so many things were revealed uh, from Christopher Ray's testimony, director of the FBI. So we're going to touch on that as well. And and I want to do it with one of my favorites, right? We've got a, a bunch of reporters that we talked to, but one of my favorites, especially from Capitol Hill, Carrie Pickett. She's with the Washington Times and she's here with us tonight. Carrie Pickett, welcome. Thanks for having me, Rich. You bet. Anytime. Always a pleasure. So I, I want to dig into this because this FBI, um, uh, excuse me, C, uh, CIA, <laughs> Secret Service investigation into the uh, just ending of an investigation saying, look, we, 
we don't know. And, you know, I tried to leave the door open yesterday, trying to be doubtful, saying, well, maybe they're going to come back and say we found something else. But it, it seems they said, look, we, we can't find anything. There's no prints on this. There's no this. There's no that. We we, we, we can't pinpoint who it is. So we're, we're done here. Um, I think it's extremely troubling. And that's part of the, the, the headline of one of your pieces, extremely troubling. GOP lawmakers are irate because the Secret Service quit this investigation of the White House cocaine. So um, let's talk about that. Carrie Pickett. Yeah, that's right. So what we uh, have here was uh, about a 11-day investigation that went into this, uh, shall we call it now, call it cocaine gate over yes. at the uh, White House. Um, so when we first found out about it uh, last weekend, uh, that uh, cocaine was found over at the White House uh, between last weekend and now going into this uh, upcoming weekend, uh, there was about three different locations where uh, the uh, cocaine was quote-unquote found. And ultimately, it landed over at the, uh, over, over, over the West Wing foyer uh, in a, uh, over in these cubby holes, uh, over in one cubby hole in particular, uh, where you have staff that ultimately, where they have put their personal belongings, usually their uh, cell phone devices, and uh, it's now, kind of Carrie, like. Pick up, let me ask you: to, these cubbies mm-hmm. um, are do they have? Do tourists also have access to them? No, no. Okay, because no. you know why I'm asking no. because um, earlier today on the View on ABC, Sunny Hostin said that this was clearly just some stupid tourist that forgot their blow at at the White House, and it's only like 10 seconds, but I want you to listen to this. So that's the thing, it's like cocaine gate. We don't know who did this. I'm thinking maybe it's a tourist, a stupid tourist, a a guest, somebody like that, and you've got to put your phone there, you've got to put your bag there. (laughs) You've got to put stuff there, and so somebody just, you know, they left their cocaine to the White House. They left their stash. So they're making light of it. But in in reality, you're saying that this is not an area where a tourist could just randomly leave this. Carrie Pickett. Rich, make no mistake. Uh, There are certain doors of the White House um, where where certain people enter the the complex. And this particular door is where staff goes into and maybe they'll have a guest with them. But, you know, we're talking this is a very restricted area so you know this is where like in particular senior staff so if you think about it going back to the trump administration say someone like kellyanne conway or maybe stephen miller you know that's the door that like they would go through okay Mm. Uh, we're not talking about like someone who's going in for a white house tour all right so we're not talking about just some you know tourists who are like, yeah, I'm just going to put my blow over here in this cubby hole. No, that, that's not how that works. Okay. So Sonny Houston uh, but, is definitely mistaken here. Sonny Houston is talking from complete ignorance of someone who has probably never been in the White House before. And if she has, it was probably for a tour and she's probably never even seen that foyer before. Right. So let's, uh, let's actually get that straight. That being said, uh, so it, if you think about this setup, it's kind of like, you know, similar, not exactly, but so much of that of what you've seen over at ski lodges or maybe bowling alleys where they have those little lockers with those keys that like pull out. And then you just, you know, that that's the end of that. Uh, in this particular mm-hmm. case, the uh, cocaine was found in locker number 50. Now there's 182 lockers 
And, uh, you know, I asked uh, Lauren Boebert, who was briefed by uh, the uh, Secret Service, because she is one of the oversight committee members, uh, among others. And she has said something interesting. This particular key that was connected to Walker 50, it is missing. It's not there anymore. So, and on top of that, the locker door was also left open. Okay. So uh, it, it's, it, it was almost as if, uh, you know, the person who left their Coke there didn't bother to lock that door of the uh, cubby hole. Something very key. interesting there. Yes. And, and stole the key of locker 50. Uh, very interesting. On top of that, uh, the, when I asked, okay, wait, well, hold on a second here. Um, was there any uh, cameras in this, in this uh, area of the, of the West Wing foyer? She, she said, no, no cameras in that area. So that's something even more interesting. So, you know, you have to keep in mind that, you know, once again, a tourist uh, isn't going to know all these extra factors here. Right. Now, I, I find it interesting, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's interesting that there are parts of the White House, you know, save the bathrooms, that don't have uh, coverage uh, by camera. Do you find that weird, or is it just me? Um, I find it pretty weird. I mean, I mean, Secret Service is now going, well, I guess we're going to have to change that then. We're going to have to start putting cameras <laughs> up there. Well, way to go, guys. <laughs> clap, 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 you know. You know, gold star for you. You know, we'll put the cameras in there after the fact. You know, but yeah, you know, ultimately, uh, is this story going to go away? I don't think so. I think that you're going to have Republicans who are going to be pounding away at at this until they find out who it is. I think eventually, maybe they will, but at that point, it probably is not going to matter. Yeah, well, I think it's important because, I mean. In any administration, right, a Democrat or Republican, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can correct the record if I'm wrong here, but I've never seen this happen before where we found cocaine in the White House and, you know, they had to test it to find out what it was because it was a mysterious white powder and it turns out to be cocaine in, in the West Wing outside of the tourist area. I don't think that's ever happened. And I think the American people deserve a response, you know, and I feel like Biden hasn't addressed Indeed. it at all. Karine Jean-Pierre has been flippant and dismissive at best. That's right. And uh, this was the third time that drugs were, were found. Uh, the, the other two times it was, uh, it, it was marijuana, uh, but it, it, this was kept hush-hush and, and it was only brought out during this uh, briefing over on Capitol Hill uh, this uh, past week. But once again, the uh, Secret Service said we are looking to uh, change our security methods and we're like, okay, guys. You do that. But going forward, I, I do think that uh, this, this whole idea that this foyer, oh, well, just tourists can be there. No, actually, we're probably going to find out that this, this cocaine either belonged to a staffer or someone within the Biden family. So, yeah. All right, folks, we're on with Carrie Pickett, senior congressional reporter for The Washington Times. You may have heard her on the radio from time to time. Uh, she's a, a veteran in the swamp and she knows what's going on. We're going to continue with her straight ahead, and uh, we're going to discuss what's going on with FBI Director Ray because he was in the hot seat earlier this week, and we've heard a lot about that over the last couple of days. But Carrie's got a lot of interesting um, 
uh, articles that she's written on Ray's involvement and these hearings. So we're going to we're going to touch on those straight ahead. Plus your calls 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is night. This is Rich Valdez. I'm sitting here with my father. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not and has no well, interest on. in You won't answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev- to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. So FBI Director Christopher Wray dodging questions about all sorts of things. Carrie Pickett, uh, what are some of the takeaways you took from the uh, testimony? Well, the keep in mind, Christopher Wray's main goal, as far as he was concerned, being that there are so many scandals that the FBI is involved in right now, was that mm-hmm. he just needed just to go in there just be completely dumped on by the Republicans because it doesn't matter how much the uh, the uh, Democrats may have been you know defending him and even even uh, Camilla Jayapal who's a Democrat you know progressive Democrat dumped on him a little bit too uh, right. was just to get through it deal with it and not say much and to to fight get out. Day, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. And he and he was able to do it. That being said, though, uh, was he able to come out looking pretty? No, not at all. Because all it did was just uh, open up more doors, open up more questions about what he's doing to uh, cover up a lot of the uh, scandals happening over at the FBI, whether it's a uh, as, as you were just playing that clip there of a Congressman Matt Gates, Florida from uh, the, the Florida Congressman uh, talking about protecting Hunter Biden in his, uh, you know, in his, in his business dealings, his uh, corrupt business dealings there, uh, or dealing with the uh, IRS whistleblower uh, and that whole case there. I mean, you're, or the issues going on over at the uh, school board. Uh, protests and why uh, the FBI was uh, was a labeling of parents to be domestic terrorists. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, I, I'm just going off the top of my head right now. It's right. it's almost easy to uh, remember all the uh, problems going on over at the FBI. The uh, piece that I wrote on the uh, day that uh, that 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 Ray testified was the uh, was the fact that you had an FBI whistleblower. Uh, say, yeah, guess what? I was told, among others, 
uh, over at the FBI, the deputy director told us that there were uh, confidential human sources from the FBI, uh, or, or rather who were talking to the FBI, uh, who were at January 6th. And we were told, don't even acknowledge the fact that they were at the January 6th riot because it would be too problematic and it would be too embarrassing for the FBI to even acknowledge that they were there. So there's so much that was that's been going on over at the FBI uh, that that Chris Ray has ensnared himself with. But the problem is is that he's having a lot of uh, issues, kind of keeping everything in the air, and he uh, is likely going to uh, pay the consequences in some way, shape, or form, whether it has to do with a resignation or it has to do with a contempt charge. Uh, but we'll probably see it in the next few months or so. Now, uh, I know that um, he, he made it very clear that um, or it seemed that he made it clear that Ray Epps was not a government uh, employee or informant, uh, which I think a lot of people were, were surprised to hear. And uh, and there was also the the Russian spies in Ukraine that are suspected of uh, fooling the FBI into censoring oh. Americans on social media. Uh, how did that play out? Oh yeah, uh, that that whole thing uh, that you are uh, talking about, where you had uh, over in a, like right after the uh, Russians uh, invaded Ukraine, you had the um, the uh, Ukrainians ask the FBI, "Hey guys, uh, since you do such a great job censoring uh, Americans on on social media." Can you uh, go on to uh, the uh, onto the on, uh, onto the uh, social media platforms around the U.S. and uh, do and, and do the same thing for us? Basically, go and censor them uh, and and basically moderate their speech in terms of what we want. So, like, you can go in there and like say how awesome uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> who is he is and how awful Vladimir Putin is like, you know, like that kind of stuff. But you see, it totally blew up in the FBI space because, um, the, uh, Ukrainian secret service who were, who basically asked the FBI to do this, they were infiltrated by the Russians. Okay. So next thing you knew, so next thing you knew, they were like, you know, having them, but, you know, like totally like deal with posts that that were actually saying great stuff about Vladimir Putin, you know, and it's like, oh, gosh, and mm-hmm. it, it it turned into a huge cluster. It was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, th- there was no um, shortage of angles uh, for for stories coming out of uh, Ray and his testimony and, and, and the crazy that was going yeah. on during but the it, week. Exactly. Uh, but of course, according to Ray, they don't moderate social media. They don't censor social media. But a lot of people are pretty much finding out otherwise. Yeah, social media is a, a whole um, additional topic that we've got to dig into. Now, Carrie Pickett, let everybody know how they can, you know, check out all of these great articles that you're writing and, and follow you and where. Sure. Just come check out WashingtonTimes.com. You can check out my stuff as well as my colleague's stuff or check me out on Twitter. K-E-R-R-Y-P-I-C-K-E-T. Just one T, just like the feds. That's right. Well, one T. That's the Puerto Rican version. Carrie Pickett, everybody. Uh, <laughs> check, 
Follow her at Carrie Pickett on, on Twitter and check her out at the Washington times.com. Carrie Pickett. I want to thank you for being here. It's always good to, um, to, you know, have sources like you that are out there that are putting out the truth and, uh, we get to pick your brain a little bit. So I appreciate it. Sure thing. Bye-bye. You bet. Enjoy the weekend. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more are coming up and we're going to continue this conversation of social media with somebody who um, started a social media platform. He started Wimkin Social Media. He also uh, was part of the uh, team that started Friendster back in the days. And his name, Jason Shepard. He's an entrepreneur and free speech advocate. And he's going to talk to us a little bit how this House Judiciary Report says that the FBI worked with the Ukrainians to remove verified social media accounts. We were just talking about it with Kerry Pickett. He's going to dig in. So don't go anywhere. Plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So as a result of the actions of James Comey, the disgraced James Comey and the FBI, they've interfered with the elections in both 2016 and 2020. Will that interference happen again in 2024 by the FBI? The FBI is not going to be interfering in elections. They did in 2016. Well, I, I don't know that that's what Mr. Durham found. What I would tell you again is that it was conduct that I consider unacceptable and unrepresentative. You can be in denial if you want to. I'm not in uh, denial, Dr. sir. You can be in denial on this. That's exactly what happened. All right. That is Rep. Tom Tiffany with Christopher Ray, the FBI director at a House oversight hearing on Wednesday. And there's a lot of talk about what type of interference the FBI runs. Right. As a result of that, there's a House Judiciary report uh, from just last week that claims the FBI worked with a Ukrainian agency to remove verified social media accounts. And we we just talked about this in brief. And I want to dig into it from a different angle um, with respect to somebody who understands the social media landscape a little bit differently than you and I might, because he's created a couple in his time as a technology founder. Jason Shepard, he's the founder of Wimkin Social Media. He's an entrepreneur, free speech advocate. He's launched other social media platforms over the years. And um, he's um, he's out here providing alternatives to combat big tech censorship. And Jason Shepard, welcome. Thank you so much, Rich. I appreciate you having me. Oh, you bet. So I, w- I want to dig into this story a little bit and really and the theme and really the, the spirit behind it, which is. Our government uh, is is it's alleged that our government, the FBI, was working with the Ukrainian government to remove verified social media accounts in an attempt to censor them. Walk us through it a little bit. Yeah, so um, that's actually, a, it's still to me sort of a breaking story because we've, we've already sort of lived through some of the Twitter files that were released and we, um, we all learned, I, I think we already expe- mm-hmm. uh, suspected obviously, um, but we learned that the FBI actually had residency in the Twitter offices and, right. you know, we're paying millions of dollars a year to actually go in and have access and obviously, um, you know, basically at least request to take something down um, if they, you know, they didn't agree with the narrative or if they were trying to say it was criminal. But um, 
yeah, this this new aspect with working with foreign agencies now is absolutely something that's it's it's groundbreaking and it's something that even with me and, and our dealings with the select committee subpoenaing us and, and that nature, this one surprised me a little bit because you know it, it, it turns out that you're working with um, a foreign a foreign government and actually against another foreign government and um, that's not the way this is supposed to work in America. Yeah, last I checked, it's definitely not supposed to be the way it works. Uh, let, let's talk about why it's working that way. Right? How do we, um, I mean, so we know the problem. We've got uh, the mm-hmm. FBI uh, seemingly finding backdoor ways to skirt the Constitution, to skirt uh, the, the, the spirit of the law. And, and their partners in complicity here are social media companies. Uh, not all of them. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but definitely the the usual suspects facebook twitter etc so being from the the tech sector being from the social media space um what can you say seems very out of the norm and i know you've already alluded to the fbi you know like you said having uh, residents fbi lawyers working at twitter and having this um very more than i'm going to say collegial relationship via email where they could just request things and they get done uh, but what um, I guess, what should the norm be and what are some of the things that are out of the norm that you've observed? Well, I, I think first and foremost, um, so the federal judge who actually uh, issued his order um, and his opinion on July 4th, which you certainly cannot uh, right, judge Daugherty. ignore that timing. Yeah, Judge Dottie, you cannot ignore that timing to do that on July 4th because there's no court in the country that's convened. But um, right. You know, realistically, uh, I think that is the norm. I mean, these individuals, no matter if you, it doesn't matter what agency you're from, it, it doesn't matter what administration you're from, um, because these ABC agencies are all doing it. It's not just, you know, the Biden administration. It's not, you know, um, you know, we have it's, it's more or less, you know, you have the CIA that's going to be able to do this. You have the FBI. You have, um, you know, many different ABC agencies, again, that are coming in and trying to do this. And you know, uh, the norm should be that they're not, if they want to maybe respectfully request something be removed, it, it, but it's more or less to me, Rich. And, you know, it, it's happened to us again with those three subpoenas by the J6 uh, Select Committee. It's more intimidation. And I think it's just more, you know, haggle and hassle that, um, you know, people just don't want to have to deal with. And, you know, when I got subpoenaed, uh, you know, based on eight posts that were on my platform, eight posts, that's how much they're looking at it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, we have <laughs> a million posts a day on our platform. And um, if they can scrutinize that much, you know, it really, it, it tells you that, you know, th- th- these people are being weaponized and they are trying to silence a certain type of, you know, individual that they don't see that fits their narrative, I guess, at this point. Yeah. And it's it's scary to think that that's where we are, uh, folks. We're on with Jason sure. Shepard, founder of Wimkin Social Media and Friendster. Uh, he's a free speech advocate. He's walking us through this story that, again, it's it's a couple of days old, but as the days go on, we learn more about it. Right? This report came out uh, uh, shortly after the federal judge issued that injunction, and uh, then a couple of days after that, you had Director Ray uh, testifying, and and many are saying untruthfully. Uh, testifying about this and other things. And uh, this is, uh, in many ways, a a still developing story where the United States is working with uh, our FBI, working with um, the Ukrainian um, secret uh, service type of uh, agency 
to remove verified social media accounts. And it's it's a uh, it's a damning situation, in my opinion. We're going to continue with this conversation uh, as well as get a, a sense of the state of um, technology and social media uh, from Jason's perspective when we come back. I'm going to invite you to give us a call. Eight, three, three, four, eight, two, five, three, three, seven, eight, three, three, four, Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. Eight, three, three. For Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. Jason Shepard, social media founder. He's a uh, founder of Friendster and uh, Wimpkin Social Media. He's out there fighting for free speech. And uh, Jason, tell us what you think the um, the current uh, state of affairs is in the tech industry. Do you feel it's as divided as the American electorate? Like you've got those that are for free speech and those that are against it. Uh, and I don't want to say against it, but like those that believe that it's the technology company that knows best versus those that p- believe people know best? Or is it still like one big happy family in, in the Silicon Valley? That's a good question. I, I just, I think you, uh, you asked it right, too. Um, it's one big happy in Silicon Valley because everybody out there is getting rich. But, um, you know, when it comes down to actually, I, I don't think people hate free speech. I just think they hate it when it doesn't go their way. Um, so, <laughs> that convenient? you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, free, free speech, to be, to be quite honest with you, um, I've never seen it be such a threat before. I mean, I don't think anybody really has um, on this level when you actually, you know, think about just, uh, the. I mean, I, I'm 42. I've never once, uh, I never thought I'd be in this position first and foremost, but, you know, I, I, it's, it's really hard to actually hammer down here because, you know, I had 700,000 uh, followers on my Twitter account um, when Jack Dorsey was still there. And mm-hmm. I was banned for sharing specific things that were 100% now scientifically proven to be true. You know, they were based on vaccinations, they were ba- based on COVID. And, you know, for individuals to, to lose their accounts, I mean, Rich, you know, there's people that this, this is their livelihood. Social media is how they make their money. It's how they, you know, sure. feed their families. and. For these individuals to come down and just just hurt the conservative side of things, you know, I, I don't think it's one big happy family in the world at all right now. I mean, there, there's there's no unity, um, even though I wish there really could be. But after conservatives have put up what they've you know put up with for let's say probably about the last seven eight years, maybe even a little bit more than that, you know, it, it's all one sided. And these big tech companies, they're getting their money from liberals. They're getting their money from you know, the Pfizer's and the Moderna's and these companies that, that just want to pump and pump and pump them. And they don't appreciate when, you know, they allow free speech and they allow, you know, them to be second guessed and questioned. And, you know, I don't know when that's going to change. I, I actually don't see it getting any better at this point. Now, how did you, 
um, get um, thrust into this? I know that you're a tech guy and you've been the founder of a couple of uh, social mm-hmm. media platforms, but h- how did this, you know, uh, not every guy that's involved in social media ends up becoming an advocate for, for free speech and, and out there, you know, being vocal about this. In fact, I'd say most of these guys try to stay away from that uh, so that they can sure. kind of fly under the radar. But what, what did it for you? Well, um, to be quite honest with you, before I started Wimkin, uh, I worked at uh, one of the largest health insurers and um, <clears throat> medical networks in the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, actually four states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, and New York. And mm-hmm. my team, um, I was a business analyst and again, an IT uh, manager, and my team was spearheaded to deliver 130,000 COVID tests to uh, 2,300 uh, primary care physicians in our network. And we got this project in September of 2019. So the math did not equate to me. Why did we find about found out about this two months before COVID was really even known about? Hmm. And then it really turned out, yeah, it, it, it turned my stomach, to be quite honest with you. And even worse than that, these tests that we were utilizing, they only tested for any type of coronavirus. And at that point in time, there was around 69 or 70 that were known and each of us on a daily basis, even if we're healthy and asymptomatic, we usually carry between six to nine in our body. So these tests were coming back 100% positive. And I said, my name is not going to be on this. I'm not going to be a part of this. So tried to change it. Of course, that didn't work. Uh, you know, money is money in healthcare, that's for sure. <laughs> but um, right. I, started a, I started a platform. It was just a, a website. It was worldmustknow.com. And it was just to get the truth out there about what was happening with testing. And, you know, I had the most, uh, the world's most comprehensive timeline. We had about probably 40 to 50 entries a day on what states were doing, what countries were doing. And, you know, we ended up getting up to 35,000 users visiting us a day. And they wanted to, they wanted to contribute. They wanted to, you know, tell their stories. They wanted to, um, you know, comment and actually, you know, write articles. And yeah. You know, that's when I changed it over to uh, WIMKIN, which stands for World Must Know Now, uh, in honor of free speech. And that's where we started. Uh, that's how I actually ended up doing this. I wanted the world to know what was going on. How is that going? Uh, we're doing great. I mean, we, we, we put up with our eight-month app store bans. We were banned three days after Parler was. We were number one in both app stores oh, wow. at that point in time. Oh, they, they did everything they could, Rich, to keep us uh, stifled in our growth, that's for sure. And... Um, but it's going great. We're up over 9 million users now. When we were banned, we were around 400,000. Um, when we were subpoenaed by the J6 Select Committee, which was in uh, November of 21, we had about 2.5 million. And now, this why, is why, why I think... Why did you get subpoenaed by the J6 Subcommittee? Uh, they, well, they, they blamed us for the insurrection, <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> That's <laughs> essentially what it was. Um, I'm partners with Windy Bell Radio, and um, I was on our studio, and I got a call from the U.S. Capitol. And of course I'm taking it because I think it's a, yeah, she's fantastic. She truly is. She's one of the best. And, um, I'll be on Wendy Bell's show tomorrow, everybody. If anybody's watching, uh, check it out on Newsmax 4 p.m. Oh my God. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. Uh, common sense. She's fantastic. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, I was in her, I was in her studio and I got a call from the U S Capitol and I was like, this must be a spoof call, but it actually wasn't. It was somebody that was trying to track (laughs) me down just to serve. I would totally think it's a spoof call. (laughs) I did. And you know what? It was funny because uh, uh, Wendy's uh, radio producer is Brock. And um, he looked at me when I came back in and I was pretty shook. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, uh, that was a very, very big issue. You know, even though it was 10 months after it happened, we still had some fallout. And um, 
you know, the only thing I could tell them is, hey, contact my attorneys in California. Plain and simple. Right. And, yeah, um, sure. But, but what they did, Rich, no, never. But what they asked for, you would not believe. And I'll be happy to show these documents to you um, and, and all of your listeners for sure. Well, you know, before you tell they us, asked, let's leave everybody hanging. All right. That's rule number one in show business. Always leave them wanting more. <laughs> let's take a quick pause here. Folks, uh, we're on with Jason Shepard. He's the founder of Wimkin Social Media. And uh, he's about to tell us what they asked for when they called him. And he thought it was a fake call, but it was a real call. And uh, this is getting really juicy. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. And remember, we're just minutes away from Open Phone America, the third and final hour of the program where we get to take calls from everywhere, from New York to Alaska and everywhere in between where you guys are listening to this program. I'm looking forward to speaking with you on Open Phone America, a longtime tradition on this program that's older than me. So um, you can get your calls in for that right away, 833-4-VALDEZ. And we're coming back with Jason Shepard. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Social media censorship. Good guys, bad guys. It's, it's a mess out there. Folks, we're on with Jason Shepard, founder of Wimkin Social Media. Uh, he was part of Friendster as well, and he's out there battling for free speech. And he's describing how he got a call from the Capitol um, because they tried to blame the insurrection on him. What did they ask you for, Jason Shepard? Well, on the phone, they didn't ask me for anything other than just where to serve a subpoena to. But, um, of course, that was given to my uh, attorney in California. But um, so to be quite honest with you, Rich, uh, Wimkin is the most private platform that I know of. We don't even verify your email address that's set up. Uh, we don't take phone numbers because we saw this coming down the line, so to speak. But they asked for they asked for email addresses. They asked for phone numbers. They asked for credit card numbers. They asked for private messages from user to user. They asked for text messages, which I really didn't understand because we don't do anything with text messaging. And um, this was like, hey, do me a favor. We want to see these things. Or like, hey, we've got a warrant and you've got to turn this over. No warrant. Uh, we did get a specific warrant for a specific user. That was the only time. Um, but our attorney, essentially, they asked us to, they asked us for algorithms. We don't have any algorithms. We're too small to have algorithms. Algorithms, sorry. And um, yeah, Al Gore but, uh, invented they also those, by asked, the way. What's that? I said Al Gore invented those, by the way. Oh, interesting. Algorithms. <laughs> funny, but, um, yes. Go right ahead. Yes, algorithms, yes. Um, and then they asked us to define what we thought misinformation and disinformation was. Uh, they asked us for any any type of platform uh, remedies we have to to remove information. And I think it was more or less a feeler to see where we stood in terms of you know how uh, how strong our stance was on free speech and actually you know our privacy because you know our messengers encrypted. We can't even see messages between people. It's like a Telegram, even though Telegrams now. I think they're named in 14 or 15 different cases in the United States alone um, in terms of uh, federal prosecution for some types of, um, again, and alleged insurrection crimes. But uh, they asked for literally every single piece of information on every user on our platform. And at that point in time, when we, again, we were um, 
that was November when they asked us. It was around, we had about 2.5 million users at that point. And you could just imagine the undertaking that would be first and foremost to go through that. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is, maybe this is where they would come in and say, Hey, we'll pay you to do this. Like, like they did to Twitter. I don't know. I, I mean, we would never even entertain that to be honest with you, because you know, the first amendment is what this country was founded upon. And right. I will take that to my grave. I mean, I, I literally, I sacrificed a lot already for this platform and I'm definitely going to continue to do that. But yeah, what they asked for, Rich, it, it was out. It was outrageous. It was the most overreach that I've ever seen in my life. And the fact they actually put this in two different, uh, they, they weren't. They were more demands. They weren't. Uh, it wasn't a subpoena, but you know they right. they, asked but they were forced to preserve all our records. Oh yeah, yeah. they asked us to Jason preserve Shepard, all our records. Before yeah. we run out of time, I want to make sure everybody knows how they could find out about Wimkin Social Media and follow you online and uh, learn about the great things you're doing. So let everybody know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, guys, it's Wimkin.com. It's W-I-M as in Mary, K-I-N as in Nancy.com. We're also back in the app stores after our eight-month fight of beating them. And uh, uh, we will stand up for your rights, that's for sure. Jason Shepard, founder of Wimkin Social Media. Make sure you check him out, Wimkin.com. Jason, I want to thank you for being here. Godspeed to you, man. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Rich. You as well. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Open Phone America. You, me, and uh, a bunch of calls in between. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy to be here with you tonight, Friday night. Uh, for some, it's already Saturday morning, but yes, this is the Friday night edition. Our phone number, 833-4825-337-8334, Valdez. And I'm happy to have a conversation with you on just about anything, uh, because this is your time to be heard. Uh, I just kind of inter uh, interact with you on these things. And uh, this is truly my my favorite part of this job is is having this conversation with uh, each and every one of you, this amazing audience and lots of things to talk about. We talked about a lot of hard news and then some some analysis on 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 the the big news. But I want I want to talk about some of the other stuff. It's Friday and and um, I want to get into this story right here. Listen to this. Uh, and, and actually the version I'm looking at says most or many on dating apps are already in relationships and aren't seeking actual dates. According to a new study, nearly two thirds of Tinder users surveyed said they were already in relationships. Some of them were married while they were using the app. Unbelievable. And I'm really, I'm, I'm shocked at this. I mean, cause there are websites already for people that want to hook up where if you're married, you could say, Hey, look, I'm married and I want to hook up. There's websites for that. Why would um, everybody go to Tinder where people are potentially looking to meet their mate? 
or whatever. I just think that's uh, interesting, right? So um, that, that's part of the, the story that's out there. Of course, there was uh, a serial killer in Long Island um, who was captured. And uh, this is a, uh, a big deal, obviously a big deal, because you don't always catch serial killers. So we might touch base on that a little bit uh, as well. Plus, there was, uh, let me see, what is the other story that I wanted to cover here? Uh, Mike Pence and Tucker Carlson clashed during a heated interview. Wow, big deal. Uh, let's see. Not a lot. That's not too big of a story for me here. That one's not that interesting. Let me see. There was another one I had flagged here that I wanted to get into. Uh, it was, yes, the syphilis story was a, a very big one. Uh, the guy who was arrested um, outside of Obama's house, his indictment was unsealed. And this guy's a real wackadoo, for real. Listen to this. So he's already a defendant in one of the January 6th cases. And again, that that for 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 the record, that could just mean that he was there on the Capitol grounds and was charged with parading. But he took it a step further. He uh, he was arrested with guns and ammunition in his van near Barack Obama's uh, house. He's facing two felony weapons charges in addition to the misdemeanor and trespassing counts that uh, that they put on him. And uh, his name, Taylor Taranto. He's a defendant that in the riot. I just said that. Why do they have to be so repetitious in these articles? 37 years old. Last month, he was in Obama's Calorama neighborhood after the president, former president Donald Trump, shared uh, the address on social media. According to... Um, Let's see. You got to be careful here. The Washington Post. So take it with a grain of salt, my friends. The Justice Department said on Friday that Toronto was captured on video during the Capitol riot, standing at the entrance to the speaker's lobby while at the entrance. Ashley Babbitt, God rest her soul, attempted to jump through a glass window and was shot by the Capitol Police. So. That's the the story on this guy, Taranto. And uh, again, I don't know him. I'm not a special pleader for him. Uh, I just know that he went to Obama's house after the fact. And uh, and doesn't seem like he went there to protest, right? At least from what I can see. If, if I'm wrong, you let me know. Um, it seems that that you, um, you want to be careful, right? I mean, I, I would be very suspicious if somebody uh, was in a van with ammunition and guns outside of Trump Tower or Trump Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago or wherever Trump is living at the time, I think that would be a big deal, right? I, th- I think we, we shouldn't do that. Uh, so, you know, when it happens the other way, I think it's equally as, uh, you know, no bueno, right? You just don't want to get into that. And uh, there was another story I mentioned, and I, this is one that I, I, I again, you don't have to touch this with a 10-foot pole if you don't want to, but I just find it uh, remarkable. 128% rise in syphilis cases in the Houston area, and it's linked to pregnant women, according to the health department. Now, this um, this spike, and I gave you some numbers on it earlier, they're saying it's mainly attributed to pregnant women who ended up passing the disease on to their babies. Right. So this has nothing to do with the old people that I was talking about earlier. Uh, that was just, uh, you know, during my government days, I remember going to a meeting and they were saying what a problem this was. 
in the uh, nursing homes. And uh, here's a quote from Lupita Thornton. She's with the Houston Health Department. She says, let's talk about those pregnant females of childbearing capacity. I wonder what that means, childbearing capacity. Does that mean like childbearing age uh, or people with uteruses? Is she trying to make, uh, no, because she says females. Hmm, interesting. Anyway, they need to test at their first prenatal visit at the third trimester and at delivery. We can encourage people with uh, multiverse partners to test for it as well as other STIs. So that's the uh, the current recommendation pregnant women passing this on to their children. Very unfortunate. Uh, To help curb the issue, the health department is waiving clinical fees for people that want to get tested. Syphilis can go undetected because some have zero visible signs. Certain symptoms can be misinterpreted. And uh, they're urging you, if you are a pregnant woman, and I'm going to add in the Houston area, then you better go get tested because this stuff is all over the place. And uh, I just... You know, wow, what a headline, 128% rise. Uh, And, of course, that comes on the heels of finding out that most people on dating apps are already in relationships. And that makes me think, why on earth are we using that that relationship app as a hookup app? And Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm I'm not on Tinder. I signed up for it one time and just couldn't figure out a picture that I liked. I just didn't follow through with it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's exactly what everybody's using Tinder for. And obviously two thirds, that's a lot. And maybe I just had it wrong thinking that that's something people use for actual dates and to like, you know, meet their future spouse. Um, Maybe that's my naivete. You let me know. Give me a call. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. I was just going to say, I'm guessing the White House doesn't like that there's no answer here. Oh, it's it's, it's unsatisfying because, because for Because it everyone. only feeds the beast, the conspiratorial beast yes, of, yes. that we know of, like, trying to destroy our And, and to answer just, that, family members typically don't use this entrance. Not that they couldn't, but right. they typically don't, and they're not asked to put their stuff no, in cubbies. And, and, All right, so family members aren't putting their stuff in cubbies. It's just employees, senior staff, high-level staff. Uh, So are they protecting KJP? I'm wondering who is being protected here because we know now that it is not somebody that uh, was just randomly touring the White House, as Sonny Hostin uh, just mentioned. Though the question is, and I had it on um, uh, on the little question that you could post on Instagram. I had that question posted uh, all day uh, today, which was, so whose cocaine was it in the White House? And um, I find it fascinating that there are people out there that think that this is insignificant. Uh, it's only happened twice before that drugs were found in, the, found in the White House, and both times were marijuana before this. So it's the only time we've found cocaine in the White House. 
And the fact that we would minimize this and, and just say, oh, yeah, we, we literally shut down the, the White House. It went into lockdown. They brought in a hazmat uh, team because they didn't know if this was anthrax or some other type of uh, dangerous powder. They test the powder. They realize it's cocaine and they open up an 11 day investigation into finding out how this cocaine got there. They don't come up with an answer. And yet some people are saying this is not a big deal. Let's go to the phones. Debbie, Canton, Ohio, W-N-I-R. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Yes. Uh, good evening, Rich. It's good to talk with you. Likewise. I want to tell you, um, uh, I'm a big Jimbo fan. And I miss him dearly. But I'm enjoying your show as well. well thank you. Um, yeah. Really, really enjoy it. Um, I listen at night. Um, I I feel that they're putting too much, there's too much press on this. This is ridiculous. Um, there's people dying all around me, all around my neighborhood, my area, from fentanyl. Um, we need to focus more on that and talk about that a little bit. My niece just had an OD um, a few days ago. She's oh my goodness. battling this. I know, it's really hard. And I don't give a crap who has cocaine in the White House. Let's whoever. Let's talk about what really matters right now um, with our my people around me. Okay, that's why I want to say, and I think it's um, overblown. Um, let's put more emphasis on what really matters right now. That's all I got to say, and I'm glad sure. I got well, to talk I'm to sorry you. that you're going through that, Debbie. Um, and so, uh, just to make sure I'm getting it clear, you you're saying we should have more emphasis on the fact that fentanyl and all these other drugs are, are coming across the border and are uncontrolled, and um, there isn't enough of a focus on that. Yeah, uh, who's surprised that there's drugs in the White House? Why are we surprised about that? Why are we talking about that? Well, let's let's put more emphasis on getting these drugs out of our nation right now. Uh, yes. It was fentanyl that my niece took, and thank God she's still alive. They had to bust yeah, open the window of her car to save her. Um, but it, it bothers me that they're putting too much emphasis on cocaine in the White House. I don't care who sniffs Coke in the White House. I want these drugs out of our nation. Okay? Well, I'm I, sorry. I'm getting emotional. No, I, no, I understand. And I, you're entitled to get emotional because I think this is a very serious matter. And I, I thank you for, for sharing it with us. And and while I, I understand where you're coming from totally, um, I've never been through that myself. And I'm glad I haven't. And I feel for you that you are going through that. I'm grateful that your, your granddaughter is alive or your niece, excuse me. Um, I think th these are equally important issues um, because I think the fact that we have drugs in the White House to me is no surprise because we have a drug problem that's only getting worse and worse and worse. So it, it makes a lot of sense to me that they're going to turn a blind eye to what's going on in, in at the border when we have people that are, um, you know, being derelict inside the White House, whomever they may be. And from the conversations we've had, we now know that they're either senior staff or a family member or somebody that is uh, rather high level, not a, a junior type of person in the administration. So, and of course, in your position, I could totally understand why one would want to focus on something, um, you know, 
who cares about one guy's blow in the White House when we've got, you know, so many people dying from fentanyl. And I'm going to go a step beyond and say poisoning, right? Because most of these people aren't even trying to score fentanyl. They're usually buying a Xanax pill or something else that's been laced with fentanyl, having no idea that they're ingesting fentanyl in most cases, which is why many are saying it, they should change the terminology to fentanyl poisoning because they didn't really overdose on something they didn't know they were even taking. And uh, and I totally get that and, uh, and, and respect your opinion on it. But I think it, they go part and parcel, uh, Debbie, and I thank you for your call. It's so important that we realize um, you're right that we, we have a problem here and we focus on the problem and what the problem is and what the solution is and how we get beyond this problem. And it's not like they're bringing drugs across the, the border and just saying, hey, look, we got drugs. And people are saying, no, I'm not interested. I don't want them. No, they're actually taking the drugs, right? And it's a there's a, a problem with demand. While we have this demand problem, that's to me what we got to work on. If there was no demand for drugs, there wouldn't be a supply for drugs. And uh, sadly, we're seeing this in a lot of areas. This movie that's out that's getting a lot of traction, um, The Sound of Freedom, is about a huge demand, bigger than any other country on the planet that we know of, where people want to abuse children. So we smuggle children in and we traffic them and we use them for a bunch of things, for whether it's sex, abuse, um, overnight shifts at slaughterhouses. I mean, they're, they're used for all sorts of things. And, and I can't help but think, my goodness, we have to do better as a society. But when we are living in a life or we live in a society, living in a world where children are, are becoming obsolete, people don't care about kids, they don't care about senior citizens, everybody's uh, just kind of worried about themselves and, and what they can do. It, we, we are now in a time where we've turned a blind eye to, to God and it's almost like you're ridiculed if you, oh, you're one of those people that believes in God, where you're somehow supposed to be celebrated if you're an atheist or agnostic. And and we don't see that these things, at least anecdotally, contribute to all the other issues, right? We've got kids that don't know what biological uh, gender, sex, et cetera, they are. Uh, they're being brainwashed into thinking that they can become whatever they want to be if they're not happy in the situation they're in. You've got suicide rates that are through the roof. You've got teen girls that are suffering from depression at the highest levels we've ever seen. You look at all of this and you think, man, I think we're in a bad spot. And things were a lot better when people were in church on Sundays. Now, that might be my own, um, um, I don't know, um, overly simplistic view, putting too much emphasis on what people would call religion. Uh, but I would say, no, I think there's an emphasis on morality that's really escaping us, and we have to stay focused on that uh, as a society, not you know, not to point the finger at anybody in, in any individual, but as a whole, we need to do better. We need to do better for each other in serving each other and loving each other uh, because the direction we're headed in with cocaine in the White House and people's personal family members experiencing overdoses and, and children being abused. It's not a situation that's sustainable. It's not a situation that's desirable. And it's not something that anybody should condone, whether it impacts them directly or not. You know, I think if your neighbor's going through something that's difficult, you're going through something that's difficult. And, and even if it's not in your backyard yet, it will be soon. So you might as well help and make sure things get better. And, and, and again, I'm just uh, preaching to the choir here. 
Uh, again, Debbie, thanks for the call. I appreciate you. Godspeed to you and your family. I hope everything works out well. The rest of your calls and more are coming up. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation on everything we're talking about. And does anybody remember that song from the 70s, The Hustle? Do, 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 do. I want to talk about that, too. We're going to talk about that coming up now. Don't go anywhere. Rich Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ is the number, 833-4-VALDEZ. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. All right, America, welcome back. Now, The Hustle, famous dance in the 70s, and uh, somebody recently asked me, hey, Rich, do you hustle? And I was like, no, I'm actually, you know, uh, I was born in 78, so I, I, I never really learned to hustle. But um found it interesting, and I was listening to um, Willie Estrada, former gang member turned dancer, and Willie Estrada gave a little explanation, a, a little bit of a history lesson on The Hustle, um, which I thought was terrific. Uh, older, what I would call an OG or an old school Puerto Rican guy from the South Bronx, uh, explaining the history of the hustle back in the seventies. And I said, you know what? It's short enough where I could share it with our friends and radio and, uh, interesting enough where you're definitely not going to hear this anywhere else. And I know there's a lot of people that tune in to hear about the latest in geopolitical affairs. And we do that for two hours straight, but on Fridays, uh, especially in the third hour, I like to let our hair down just a little bit so that we can uh, learn about different things and have conversations uh, on different topics. And we're going to get to your calls. I see the call board is nearly full. It might be one open line left. So we're going to get to you guys, I promise. But I want you to listen to Willie Estrada and this quick explanation. Check this out. The hustle was born right here in the South Bronx, created by young Puerto Rican teenagers. I was a gang leader in them days, and I can tell you this. The hustle saved my life. I think people need to understand how volatile this area was. The South Bronx was definitely the murder capital of New York. You had to be brave to go to school because there was always violence. Teachers were afraid, you know, to go to teach. We were oppressed. And so what happens when you oppress people? They rebel. They hate the establishment and they do stupid We weren't bad kids. We needed strong, positive leaders. We got that at St. Mary's Center and, and uh, for several key people that cared about us. And, and, and I think this is a, a point in history now that we need to reflect on the times of then and think, you know, we need more of that, right? I think we need more community action. I think we need more people out there saying, you know, rather than having uh, and allowing kids and, and, and promoting the idea that they should go there and, and rob as much as they want, as long as they don't surpass the $950 threshold, then, then it's okay. You can go rob all the CVS, Walgreens, and Dwayne Reeds you, you can, and you're good. That's not the message we want to send. I think, you know, people um, coming out of, uh, of tough neighborhoods and inventing dances like the hustle, that's where we need to be not where we uh, where we are right now. And we're going to get to your calls, which are all over the board on every topic. I love it. I can't wait to have these discussions with you. Uh, but let's quickly go to Linda, Albany, New York, WGDJ. Go right ahead. Thank you, Rich. Uh, if I might, uh, just briefly on a couple of things. First of all, the drugs. Uh, in total agreement with the lady that called. I would love to see, let's say, a legitimate drug company put ads out reminding children only use, only take something in your mouth that's from a legitimate drug store. 
And uh, that would help parents also to have something out there in the media helping remind kids not to uh, take stuff that uh, comes from they don't know where. And secondly, a topic on um, Biden has just called up 3,000 soldiers. Reserve troops. Yes. Why does it have to be reserve troops? When we have troops, I don't know how many thousands. Well, I'm guessing because we have a recruitment problem in the military, um, that's typically what they do wherever they're going to go. They they typically will start activating reserve units. Um, That's why they have the reserve and why they train all year to be ready to go. And and I I don't think we need 3000 soldiers in Europe at all, Uh, but. Uh, I do understand that the United States is a part of NATO and this is a big deal. Like if there is at some point, excuse me, a conflict that involves NATO versus any of those places, Russia, Ukraine, uh, any non-NATO country, um, the United States will have to send some troops and other, you know, it won't be just aid packages and, and cluster bombs and whatever else they're sending. Um, that's part of our NATO agreement is that we all have each other's back. So um, I'm hopeful that that's not the case uh, and we don't have a conflict like that. But yeah, concerning, uh, definitely concerning. However, uh, if Trump were in office and he were to say, that's why I'm preparing 3000 reservists to be at the ready, uh, this could very much be a, a negotiation tactic saying, do you really want American troops there? Because, you know, once we're there, we got to do what we got to do. And I don't think you want that smoke, right? You don't want that problem. So I don't know. I don't know what Biden's doing here. I'm, I'm really uh, hoping that we're not about to send uh, 3000 Americans to some part of Europe. Uh, I think, if anything, we should send a couple of jets and handle our business that way. But, yeah, I get it, and I appreciate your concern because uh, I share it with you, Linda. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to everybody in Albany, upstate New York, WGDJ. Let us continue. Let's uh, take a little bit of a history lesson and swing down to Alabama. Our buddy Ron in Coleman, Alabama, WCUL. Ron, go right ahead quickly. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. Very yes, good sir. show. Thank you. Um, before I, I mention this about the history, I want to mention, have you ever read or watched the movie The Crossing Switchblade? Oh, yeah, Nikki Cruz. Yeah, I actually yeah, met him one time. And Eric Estrada. Was, yeah, he, he the, played in the movie. I actually have that book right now on my kitchen table. True story, right? Yeah, true story. That's that's Times Square Church. Very good. The Lord, Lord works. And, uh, but I'll, I'll go ahead. In 1866, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, with 33 senators from the North, uh, started to, uh, to distract the voters. Uh, so we voted in President Grant well, with 500,000 to, mm. uh, yes, sir, in the South. Uh, and also remember the 23 uh, Republicans that were black. They we they were allowed to vote. We all of us won, like the brothers. You're right. You know, it, post-war, I think they called it antebellum back then, uh, post-war America. 
uh, it, it was uh, a lot better. Right? Race relations were better back then than they are now, uh, ironically, in many ways. And uh, yet, yeah, Ron, thanks for the history lesson. I appreciate it. And you're right. That that was an interesting uh, scenario back then. And you had so many free uh, black men, former slaves, that were making their way up into Chicago, up into the Northeast, uh, so that they up into Harlem, into New York, so that they could do whatever. And at the time, they oftentimes took work making less money than their white counterparts. But this allowed them to participate in the economy and earn and to, to make their own independent wealth. And eventually they created their uh, Black Wall Street that um, was, you know, a, a bunch of banks, right? They had banks. They were on their way to being um, financially free. And um, that's when I think racism took an ugly turn again. And then the systemic racism, the real systemic racism, like redlining and, and burning these people out of out of their, their banking system and whatnot, um, that was a real thing. And then the, the Jim Crow laws eventually took uh, root and, and the opposition to the Civil Rights Act and all, all of the stuff that the Democrats pioneered, uh, honestly, at that time, the Dix- Dixiecrats in particular, were uh, th- these are all important facets of our history that I think um, they, they go um, underrepresented from the national discourse. So thank you for making that contribution, Ron. I appreciate it. We're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Lots of calls. Um, I love it. Where do we go here? Let's we're going to take a break, but we're going to go to Michigan. Then we're going to go to Maine. We've got Ohio, Ohio, Idaho. Keep them coming. Looking forward to speaking with you. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go to Sandpoint, Idaho, KSPT. Check in with Dustin. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hello. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank God. Uh, yeah, um, I love the show. I have Thank been you. on one other time um, talking about head injuries, but um, I just wanted to make people across the country aware um, that a lot of people um, that are not expecting an opiate to be in the substance that they're getting like you know an upper like cocaine Mm -hmm. whatever um they're not expecting it so they don't even test for it right and and this you know it's interesting dustin i i have a an acquaintance i can't quite call him a colleague but he's in this industry and i remember um speaking to him a little bit offline and then he did a a very public interview about this uh, about his own son uh, deciding uh, to try Xanax for the first time at a party. And he, we only know this because he went to the party with his girlfriend and he told his girlfriend, uh, I, I, I took a Xanax. And moments later, he was on the floor, passed out, and, and he died, 19 years old. Uh, he was, uh, I think, uh, second, second semester of freshman year um, and, uh, or maybe sophomore year. And it, it was very unfortunate 
And it was because he thought he was doing a legitimate Xanax pill, you know, buying a downer. And uh, of course, um, you know, you would think that you would feel more relaxed, but you didn't think you would die from the fentanyl. And you're right. Even cocaine, which you're expecting to buy an upper uh, and that has uh, fentanyl in it sometimes, which is also killing people. And this is why um, we, we had uh, Derek Maltz on one time, former DEA supervisor, who said that we've got to redefine this as fentanyl poisoning because people aren't expecting this stuff. So it can't you can't really call it an overdose because they weren't intending to ingest that substance to begin with. So good point, Dustin. Thank you for the call and for your kind words. I appreciate it. Let's go to John Portland, Maine, WLOB. John, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Thanks so much. Um, is this Rich Little or Rich Valdez? <laughs> I wish I would. I wish I could do impressions like Rich Little. He's great terrific. It was great, man. No, I, I, I'm just calling because I haven't, Rich, I, uh, you probably wouldn't get to all the points. I understand. But I haven't heard anybody say this, either anyone I know or anyone like, uh, on the air or anything. I'm just surprised that it just occurred to me lately that um, with all the security in the White House, you know, all right, today they just cracked a murder from a 12-year-old pizza crust, right, and arrested this guy. Right, in Long Island. Island. You're right. I don't understand that with all the security in the White House, in restricted areas, after a week and a half, that they're saying they don't... I, I, I think the country mostly thinks there's definitely some kind of a cover. But what I haven't sure. heard anyone say that, who has access to such a secure area? His party, does, is, I think, is trying to find some way to ease him out from running this time. That's yeah, I think, I think you're right, John. These- you're right. They're trying to push him out, saying, you know what, you've, you've, you've uh, reached your expiration date. And, and I didn't quite say that, but I did say... Um, they can't blame this on Trump because there's no Trump in the White House right now. There's no Republicans in the White House. This has to be somebody inside. Um, my my uh, money, if I had to put it on anybody, would have been Kamala Harris or her people or her surrogates wanting uh, Joe to look bad and for her to kind of emerge as uh, the hero, the white knight, if you will. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. John in Portland, Maine, thank you for the call. WLOB, much appreciated. Let us continue. Let us go. Where do we go from here? Uh, there was another one I wanted to go to. Da, 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 da. That's right on this topic. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we could do it. Paul in Ohio. WSOY. Paul, what's up, my man? How are you? Hey, good evening, Rich. I'm good. Hey, you know, um, I just um, I do remember the hustle. I was actually I'm actually a child of the 70s. And it, nice. it was kind of like a line dance, a line dance of today that you, you've right. seen people do, you know, hopping and bopping back. I remember that very well. And, um, but well, now, you know, it came out of the South Bronx. Oh, really? Uh, well, yeah. who done it? I don't remember who done it. Who, who did the song? <laughs> I don't remember the, who don't did remember the song. I don't, yeah. but anyway, okay. There was this other song called cocaine. It was by Eric Clapton. Okay. Huh. And I believe that was in the eighties. And hey, is this cocaine. what they play in the white house when you come into that cubby area? Well, apparently for Kamala Harris, because I believe that's who is the culprit here. <laughs> yeah. Because have you ever watched that woman? Now, 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 Rich, I have to ask you: Have you ever been around anybody that's done cocaine? 
because I, you know, I have, but I didn't know it at the time. Like people told me, they're like, how could you not notice this guy was moving his jaw funny and talking fast? And I was like, I don't know. I thought he had coffee or something. You know, I'm so oblivious to things like that at times. Um, but my, my friends who, um, you know, are a lot more cultured in the streets than I am, uh, were pointing things out to me. Uh, but so yeah, I've been around them, but I never noticed as it was happening. Yeah, well, I'm about to be 59 years old, and I've seen quite a bit growing up in the late 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, but, you know, the, the, the drugs are a lot stronger now. The fentanyl, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, referring back to that man that just called, I had a niece pass away not too long ago from fentanyl. Thought it was Xanax, but, you know, I guess things happen. But anyway, you know, wasn't that right up the vice presidential entrance or something there? And if you've seen the way this girl acts, we used to call that tea. It wasn't cocaine. It was tea before it was mm. cocaine or crack or anything like that. And I don't know how many people know that. But, um, yeah, so I uh, – yeah, I've been around quite a while, you know, and um, <laughs> I just think that Kamala Harris might be the one. I mean, I don't I don't know if Hunter, you know, if he's smart enough or stupid I enough. I agree with you on that one. I think that um, I think you're you're spot on here. Uh, I think if anything, it came from Kamala Harris or her camp or, you know, somebody rooting for her. Uh, I don't think it had anything to do with Hunter, because besides Hunter in all of those videos and there's so many of those videos, he was always doing crack cocaine and methamphetamine. Um, it was never uh, cocaine. So uh, I wouldn't even look to Hunter, honestly. I mean, you make a joke or two. But, uh, of course, that would end there. Thank you, Paul, in uh, Zanesville, Ohio, WSOY. Big shout-out to you and everybody out there. We're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go to Akron, Ohio, W-I-N-R. Frank, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, it's an honor, and I'm an older man and a two-tour war vet. But what well, we Thank you for your service. The honor's mine. So what we have to do, if we look, whether it's in Russia or whether it's in other countries or our own country, the division and the confusion and the division. And we have to stop and look every day in our own personal lives. I don't care whether you're a Christian believer or Islamic or if you're a communist, you don't, your God is communist. But in the wars that are going on around the world and all the fires and all the confusions and all the distrust, we have to look at it, stop and look at it. Each day is spiritual warfare against the powers of darkness. Yeah. I think you're so spot on there, Frank. Uh, it, it ultimately is a battle between good and evil, and each and every one of us play a part in it. And and I'm guilty of that, but this is why I try my best to be respectful of the other side and try to have a discussion that's always focused really on trying to get to, to a, a better part of life, right? All of us need to be, I think, spiritually enlightened and, and just do better, And uh, starting with me, quite frankly. And uh, it's a good point that you bring up because the communists, they specialize in this divide and conquer. And, and the more that they could spread the, the notion of atheism or agnosticism or, or, or just, you know, being a deist and, and eliminating God from, from the public discourse, the easier it is for them to get people to worship at the altar of their big government. 
And, and that's why I do what I do, right? Got to be out here uh, fighting each and every day because if, you know, if we're not doing it, who will? Anyway, thanks for the call, Frank. Hasta la próxima. Take care. Good night. And God bless. I am Rich Valdez. Let's do it again on Monday. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen.